and welcome to the Words of Encouragement podcast, a podcast of love, hope, inspiration, and encouragement using the Word of God for people from all walks of life. And of course, I'm your host, Arlena. Welcome, everyone, and thank you once again for joining me on another episode of the Words of Encouragement podcast. I hope and pray that each and every one of you are in the best of health, best of strength, and most importantly, in the best of spirits, especially with everything that we have going on out there today. There's just so much that is going on. There is definitely no mistaking as to where we are at as far as, you know, biblical prophecy we are definitely living in the last days seriously speaking and as always before beginning i'd like to start by giving all honor all praises and all glory to father god almighty his son jesus christ and the holy spirit because without them i am nothing i cannot do anything but because of christ jesus i can do all things through him who strengthens me including this podcast as well as this podcast episode, as well as this series. I also real quickly want to take some time out to say thank you to each and every one of you who have listened, whether that's by hitting play or just simply hitting download. Today is August 5th, 2023. But by the time I release this episode, you will not be hearing it until probably August 12th or the 13th or even the 14th. And where I'm at, the temperature is currently 79 degrees and it's in the evening. We still have a little sunlight. Well, not necessarily sunlight, but a little bit of light outside still. Um, what I'm noticing in the mornings that it's um, starting to get a little dark. Six o'clock, still a little dark. So you could definitely see like the times are shifting you know, as we are coming out of summer slowly. Um, the time now is currently 8.07 p.m. And I am currently sipping on a bottle of water. And just in case you're confused, you're like, but wait a minute, didn't she just say in the last episode it's August 5th? Yeah, it's still August 5th. I'm doing a batch recording, so that's why. I hope that you were able to catch the first part of the last episode of the series. So today, of course, I bring to you the second and the final part of this mini-series or you could say miniseries slash uh, character study on the life of Herodias. The name and title of today's episode is Herodias, a tale of power and adultery, part two. And this is episode number 131. 
So sit back, relax, grab yourself your favorite hot or ice cold beverage, and join me back here in a few minutes as we get started. So I'll see you back here in a few. Are you looking to spice up your quiet time Bible time with the Lord? Well, guess what? I might just have the right thing to help you. There is nothing better than being able to spend quality and intimate time with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and in His Word. For many of us, this may look different from day to day. Check out my 20-piece digital quiet time Bible study bundle. It comes with six topical scripture writing plans to encourage and uplift you as well as to help you get into the Word of God. So if you're ready to dig deeper or simply ready to give your Bible study a boost, check out my 20-piece Quiet Time Bible Study Bundle and other digital Bible study resources at Jahira Print Shop. The link will be featured in the description box. And as always, I'd like to take the time out to say thank you to each and every one of you. I do hope and pray that you will be blessed. listening to the Words of Encouragement podcast with yours truly, Arlena. Stay tuned. Welcome back. And once again, just in case you missed it the first time, the name and title of today's episode is Herodias, A Tale of Power and Adultery, Part 2. And once again, this is episode number 131. So before we get into the nitty gritty, let us get to know a little bit about our featured main character before getting into the entire story. Now for the last episode, so excuse me, we started out with King Herod, aka Herod the Great, the former king of Judah. And we also featured Aristobulus or Aristobulus, who originally was supposed to inherit the throne from his father, the late King Herod. So here's some facts about Miss Herodias. We started with some of that from part one, where we covered her grandfather as well as her father. Herodias was previously married to Antipas, who was the half-brother of Philip Herod. Not only was she previously married to Antipas. Actually, before she was married to Herod Antipas, she was actually married to Philip Herod. She was the daughter of Aristobulus and Bernice. She was also the granddaughter of King Herod, which is King Herod the Great, King of Judah, former King of Judah. And while she was living in Rome with her then husband, which was her first husband, or you know, the one that God recognizes, which was Philip I, 
along with their daughter, Salome. Now, Philip's brother, Herod Antipas, who was in Rome visiting, saw his brother's wife, Herodias, and he fell in love with her. I told you it was like a soap opera. And of course, Herodias agreed to leave her husband and become the wife of her husband's brother, Herod Antipas. When Herod met John the Baptist, he told Antipas that his marriage to his brother's wife was unlawful. Now, because John chose to stand up and tell the truth, he was cast into prison, where, of course, he was later beheaded. And you can find that story in Matthew 14, verses 3 to 11, Mark 6, verses 17 to 28, and, of course, Luke 3, verses 19. Now, this is what Luke 3, verses 19 says here. It says, But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done. Now, these are some facts that I was able to gather from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, ISBE. When Herod threw John the Baptist into prison, he would have him later killed. However, in Mark 6 verses 19, it states that Herodias had a quarrel against him. In other words, Herodias had a quarrel. Or she had a, like what we would say back home, she had a bone to pick with John the Baptist. And because of this, she was the one who actually wanted John the Baptist dead. But she couldn't because Herod feared John because he knew he was a just and holy man. Now, Herod often observed John and he also enjoyed hearing him preach. Herodias encouraged, or rather she used her daughter Salome, who enticed Herod and his guests by dancing for them for Herod's birthday party. And I ain't talking just any kind of dance. I'm your private dancer, if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, it was a seductive dance, the dance of death, as it's known. Herodias' daughter Salome danced so seductively that Herod, Herald, Herod, excuse me, Herod Antipas was enthralled, rather, or aroused by her. Now, mind you, this is his stepdaughter slash niece. Now, Herod Antipas and Philip I were both half-brothers, and of course, they were both the sons of Herod the Great. Antipas was the son of both Herod and his wife, Malthus. He was the Tetrarch of Galilee and Perea during the entire period when Jesus was here on the face of this earth. Now, according to Eastern Bible Dictionary, he was a frivolous and vain prince. Herod Antipas was also responsible for beheading John the Baptist at the instigation and plot of Herodias, the wife of his half-brother Philip whom he had taken and married. Now, Pilate had sent Jesus to Herod Antipas when he was in Jerusalem. He also caused Jesus to be mocked, and he then had him sent back to Pilate, 
where he would later be crucified. Now, the wife of Chusa, who was Joanna, who was also one of the house servants, was also one of the disciples of Jesus. Now, her story can be found, or this story actually can be found in Luke 8, verses 3. Now, note, this is not to be confused with Antipas that is mentioned in Revelation 2, verses 13, who happened to be a Christian martyr, not the same person. Herod. Now, the definition of his name is son of a hero. Now, according to Smith's Bible Dictionary, it means hero-like. This family was not of Jewish nationality, but instead they were Edomian origin, which made them an alien race. However, they were Jewish in faith. So basically, Edom or Edomian, of course, we know how that story goes. Where that comes from, you're talking about the twins, which is Jacob, where Israel comes from. And then you have Edom or Edomian, where, of course, it was Esau. Now, Herod Antipas was first married to the daughter of Aretas, Aretas, the king of Arabia. And according to Smith's Bible dictionary, Aretas was indignant by what Herod had done to his daughter by leaving her to take Herodias as a wife, which I'm sure any father would have felt the same way. Now, Aretas, he, he saw it as a direct insult to his daughter, which, of course, he did not take lightly. And because of Herod's decision, or rather his wrong toward Aretas' daughter, it gave Aretas a reason to invade Herod's territory, which caused him to be defeated and to suffer great loss. Now, according to Josephus' famous passage, Herod's great loss and defeat was attributed by many to believe that it was because of the murder of John the Baptist, which was encouraged under the influence of none other than the wicked witch Herodias. According to ISBE, because of Herodias's jealousy over the power of her brother Herod Agrippa, she induced her husband Herod Antipas to demand of Caligula the title of king. Now Herodias's evil scheme would later cause Herod's ruin and downfall. That's why the Bible tells us, you know, be careful who you marry. As a woman, be careful of the man you're marrying, and the same goes for a man. If you're marrying a woman, be careful of the woman you're marrying, because, yes, she can cause your downfall. Just ask Samson. Herodias was extremely greedy. And because of her evil scheme... She urged her husband to go to Rome and to seek out the title of king. However, he was opposed at the court of Caligula by Herod Agrippa, who also happened to be the brother of Herodias and the grandson of the late Herod the king. And he was also condemned to perpetual banishment at Lug Lugdunum. Okay. AD 34. Now, I do believe that would be, because if I remember correctly, I think he was 
banished to France first, or Gaul, and then later on to Spain, something to that effect. But anyway, let's keep going. Now, once again, according to Smith, Smith's Bible Dictionary and other historical sources, Herodias's pride kept her still faithful to her husband, even in his misfortune. She voluntarily shared her husband's punishment. Now, Herod Antipas died while he was in exile. The city of Tiberias, which was founded by Antipas, was also named in his honor. It was also the most conspicuous monument of his long reign. Herod Antipas was the half-brother of Aristobulus, of course, who was Herodias' father. So that would make him her uncle, as well as her former brother-in-law, and as well as her daughter's great-uncle, who was also her father Philip's half-brother, who was also the first husband of Herodias. As well, he would also have been her uncle. Are you confused? Okay, let me read that one more time. Let me, let me swing that by one more time. Herod Philip I was actually Herodias' first husband, or like we would say, the husband that God recognizes as her husband. She would divorce Philip to marry Herod Antipas. Now, Herod Antipas and Herod Philip were both half-brothers. Not only were they both half-brothers, they were also her father's half-brothers, which was Aristobulus. Remember, we covered him in the last episode. So Herod Antipas, as well as Herod Philip, were both her father's half-brother. Okay? Stay with me now. So Antipas who she married, who she died married to, was her former brother-in-law. He was also her father's brother, half-brother, as well as her daughter's great-uncle, as well as her uncle. Okay, so did you get that? Okay. So yeah, talk about a soap opera and a family filled with Incest and confusion. Yeah, a recipe for disaster. And as we know, God ain't no God of confusion. Now, according to other sources, McClintock and Strong's Biblical Cyclopedia. Herod Philip I was her uncle, like I said before. That's, that actually was her first husband, but he was also her uncle. She left her husband, who was very much still alive, to connect with a man whose wife was also very much still alive. His paramour was indeed less of a blood relation than her original husband, by which whom she was already connected to him by infinity. Now, according to McClintock, in the ending of her career, she exhibited considerable magnanimity as she preferred going with Antipas to Lugdunum and sharing his exile with him until they both died. This very same source also states that it has been warmly debated whether it was the adultery or the incestuous connection that drew down reproof of John the Baptist. 
it has been shown that either way the offense merited condemnation upon more grounds than one. So she was he wasn't just guilty of taking and marrying his brother's wife. He was also guilty of it it, it was an incestual, you know, incestuous marriage. Now sources claim that the Jews were stunned and angered by his unholy marriage. And it is also said that both Antipas and Herodias had both committed an unpardonable sin. Wow. According to the Holy Scriptures. Now, according to Leviticus 20 verses 21, which reads, If a man takes his brother's wife, it is an unclean thing. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. That's a curse. And although Antipas and Herodias were childless, their affair or marriage would eventually lead to the death of John the Baptist, who was innocently put to death. And it is believed that Herodias died somewhere after 40 AD. Now, according to Flavius Josephus' account, Salome, do you remember her? Of course, that's the dancing daughter of Herodias, the one who danced seductively for Herod Antipas at his birthday party, who happened to be her mother's husband, uncle, slash former brother-in-law, as well as her great uncle and stepfather. Well, Miss Salome, the dancing daughter of Herodias, it is said that her head was cut off by means of ice. God provided just vengeance against all who were involved in the crime of beheading John the Baptist. Now, listen to what Nicephorus had to say. This is what he had to say. It says here, As she was journeying once in the wintertime, and a frozen river had to be crossed on foot, the ice broke beneath her, not without the providence of God. Now, here's another source. This was taken from who is who in the Bible. And this is what it, this is some of the background information that it gives us on Herodias. That she was possibly born between 9 and 7 BC. And she was betrothed by her grandfather, of course, Herod, to his son by Miriam II, which of course was Herod Philip. So basically, remember her grandfather, King Herod the Great, had both of her uncles killed. Or actually, he had a, I'm sorry, he had her father and her uncle killed, as well as her grandmother. And he later took Herodias and gave Herodias to his eldest son, which was Herod Philip the first, And that's the one that... Antipas came and took her from, which was his brother. Her daughter Salome was born between 15 and 19 AD. Antipas and Herodias were both attracted to each other. Herodias agreed to marry him, providing that he divorced his wife, who was, of course, the daughter of Aretas IV, the king of Petra. Herodias was a Hasmonean. And she did not want to share the house with an Arab who were longtime foes of the Hasmonean dynasty. Now, here's some more information that I was able to gather. 
Now, according to the Jewish law, the Jewish law forbade marriage with one's brother's wife, except in order to raise children for a deceased childless brother. Kind of like a Levite marriage. And of course, those can be found in Deuteronomy 25 verses 5, Mark 12 verses 19. Herodias's husband was very much still alive. And he was also the father of her daughter, Salome. In other words, according to Jewish, according to the Jewish law, you were not allowed to marry your brother's wife unless he had died, unless he was deceased and there were no children. Kind of like reminds you of um, Tamar. Tamar and Judah's sons. You had um, Onan. I forgot what the, what the first, she, there was, Sheila was the last one, but one was Onan and because they were so, I think one was Ur, they were both wicked. Judah's first two sons, God put them to death. He put the first one to death because he was wicked in his sight. And then of course, once he died, this, the next brother had to take his, his place because there were no children between Tamar and her first husband. And of course he was dead because God struck him down, but there was no children and they needed to have children. Cause remember all this is leading up to the bloodline of Jesus Christ. So of course the next son, which is Onan, he decides, well, it's not going to benefit me anyway. So he starts spewing, you know, whatever you can go and read it in the Bible. Um, I think it's somewhere in Genesis. And when God saw what he was doing, God put him to death as well. So then, of course, at the time, there was only one child left, which was Sheila. But he was too young in order for his father to give him to Tamar at the time. But he also felt that his sons were dying because something was wrong with Tamar. But in reality, what was wrong was his sons were wicked. But at that time, I guess he didn't figure that out. He just figured, well, it must be something with this woman. And before she killed my last child, mm -mm. so he told her to go back to her parents' home. And when Sheila is old enough, he will give Sheila to her. And of course, Sheila got older. And of course, Judah did not hold up to his part of the bargain as part of the law, because remember she had no children and the original husband died. The second wicked one died. They were both wicked. And now here she was waiting for the last son to be given to her. He had come of age. And of course, Judah did not uphold his end of the bargain. So of course, Tamar, you know, slid into action and she put on her garb and she sat by the road and she, you know, dressed as if she was a prostitute in order to preserve the bloodline and where she ended up sleeping with her stepfather. Well, not her, excuse me, her father-in-law, which is Judah. But if you want to read more about that story, you can find it in Genesis. I'm not sure exactly which chapter, but I know it is in Genesis, but kind of like in a situation like that, also like in a situation, um, with Ruth, of course, Ruth had two sons. We had Marlon and Kilion. Of course, each son was married to a wife. Of course, when Ruth's husband died, well, there was no brother because, yeah, he also died. And the brother was also married to the other um, Orpah, but he also died. 
So there was no man left in that family directly to fill that gap. So then we have Boaz who came in because he was part of the bloodline. Even though he was not a son of Elimelech, he was still like a part of the bloodline. But then of course there was one who was closer than him that could have done it. You understand? So in cases like that, it was allowed that you could marry um, your brother's wife in order if they had no children in order to preserve the lineage of that particular brother. But this was not the case. It wasn't. I was also able to come up with some more information. Now, there are quite a bit of similarities in the story of Antipas and Herodias, as well as the story of Vashti, Queen Vashti and King Zerus. And you're probably asking, how so? Well, for one, or King Xerxes, however they pronounce it, um, they both like parties and they both like making rash decisions. Now, if you read the story of Esther or, you know, if you read any of the stories in the Bible, when the king said something, he really couldn't go back on it. Well, he could have if he wanted to, but oftentimes he would just make rash decisions. So you see, Herod Antipas was doing the same thing. And the same way that Vashti was stripped of her crown because she was unwilling to attend when her husband wanted her to, you know, he wanted to parade her around in front of all his drunken officials. The same way Herod was pleased to have Salome, his nieces <laughs> slash brother's wife slash wife, daughter, which is his niece, great niece or niece, dance for him and his guests so that it came to the point that they were actually sexually aroused. And the Bible also tells us that Herod was pleased with Salome's dance, which means, of course, he was sexually aroused. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, it is extremely important that we use godly wisdom and discernment when it comes to making decisions, of which very much also includes marriage. The decisions we make today will definitely affect us tomorrow. I can't tell you how many times I have seen this, you know, seriously speaking, you know, not just in marriage, but in life in general, but we are speaking of marriage here at this point. It is important that you know who you are marrying. It is important because the decisions that we make today will definitely affect us tomorrow. Be it good or bad. Now, as followers of Jesus Christ, it is also wise that we learn from this story of Herod's folly and that we learn that to never make promises we are not really able to keep or basically never promise anything that let's not promise to do anything until we have first learned or have heard what it is exactly that we are being asked to do. And of course, he didn't ask. And just like when um, Queen Esther approached King Zerus, or he said, he, you know, he extended his scepter and he said, what is it? Whatever it is, I'll grant it to you up to half the kingdom. 
Salome hit one dance. And he was willing to give her half the kingdom. I mean, seriously. One dance. And of course, she didn't know what to ask for. And although Herod Antipas was grieved by Salome's request, he had to honor the request because when the king commanded something, it had to be done for the fact that Herod wanted, he didn't want to go back on his oath and especially in front of his dinner guests because he probably was afraid of being looked at as being weak. But indeed he was weak. Herod feared Man more than he feared the God of heaven. See the differences. He wasn't afraid to kill John the Baptist who was clearly innocent. And he was truly a man and a servant of the living God. Herod was more concerned about his pride, ego, and possibly, you know, his reputation. He was also probably afraid of losing Herodias as well. Because he was unwilling to go against the oath that he had made which of course turned out to be a wicked and deadly request that was all orchestrated by none other than his wicked wife or his brother's wife slash whatever she was, Herodias. Now that was a wicked woman. Boy, I'm telling you, she, she got to be Jezebel's daughter. Anyway, it's the same spirit. That, that's her daughter in the spirit. Herod was grieved by Salome's request but not enough to do something to save or to spare John's life. And according to sources, Herod Antipas was a man that was controlled by his fears. It would have been far less evil for Herod to not fulfill Salome's request by murdering an innocent man for simply just telling him the truth. He was, John the Baptist was telling him the truth. Whether he knew it or not, he was trying to save his soul. But instead of Herod repenting and making the right choice by not having John the Baptist killed, he chose to allow himself to be controlled by his pride, by his ego and his guests, as well as his wicked wife, which would later end up causing him to have a major downfall and also causing him to, to sin even deeper. You know, it kept sending him deeper and deeper into the pit, the pit of sin. And he just continued committing, you know, even deeper levels of evil. When Jesus was arrested and, you know, brought before him, he treated the king of all kings with such contempt and he even mocked him. And when we refuse to take heed to what the living God or his son or the Holy Spirit or the word of God or one of his servants is trying to say to us, we are definitely going to end up falling prey to our sin. Now, this is a direct quote, and this is what it says here. When people refuse to take heed to the Lord and what he is speaking to them about and wanting them to deal with, eventually the Lord becomes silent and his terrible silence. Then is the silence that occurs as the judgment gavel is falling over their life. Let me read it one more time. When people refuse to take heed to the Lord and what he is speaking to them about and wanting them to deal with, eventually the Lord becomes silent. And this terrible silence is the silence that occurs as the judgment gavel is falling over their life. 
And you know what this reminds me of? King Saul. When he was seeking God as to what he should do when he was coming up against the Philistines. And God would not answer him via prayer, visions, dreams, or the Urim. So he decides to go to find him a, a medium because God had stopped speaking. And this is kind of in reference to what this um, direct quote that I was able to, I'm not sure who the quote was from again, but anyway, I was able to gather this quote. Oh, actually, it, it was from, let's see. It was from Jim Baumkamp, and it's an excellent quote, an excellent quote. It, you know, it, it, it really speaks deep volumes. Now, according to more sources, it is said that when Herodias received John's head from her daughter, that she grabbed John the Baptist's tongue and pulled it out, and then she stuck a large hairpin through his tongue so that she could be certain that his tongue of condemnation against her for her sin had been completely silenced. In addition to both Antipas and Herodias committing adultery, they also added murder to the list of their sins. And let's not forget that Herod also mocked Jesus and treated him with contempt. Now Herod and Herodias's relationship or slash marriage was also incestuous. The Herod family line and heritage was surely a piece of work. More like one of, you know, one big old hot, evil and corrupt mess. You know, that clearly in no way, form or fashion was of the Lord. Now, this family line is as evil as they could get. They had money, prestige, power, marriage, etc. But the most important thing they did not have, which was, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he hadn't been crucified yet. Um, well, actually, part, partly he hadn't yet, but even after he was, this was still going on. But either way, prior to Christ going to the cross, these were not godly people. And even after Christ went to the cross, they still weren't godly people. So in other words, they never had Christ to be, you know, they, they never had a, they were never of the Lord or of God. They didn't have a good heart. They never had a godly heart. Um, and neither did they ever receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And a life without Christ, you know, you can have the money, the prestige, the power, and all the, you know, those things that we can check off at the world's list of success, things of success. If you don't have Christ, if I don't have Christ, you don't have, we don't have anything. All you have is eternal disaster and damnation into the pit of hell which of course will lead you later on to judgment and then of course the lake of fire. Now there is nothing that was godly or is godly about their life or their history. Clearly this was an evil, wealthy family that, you know, they clearly also inherited the sins of their fathers that was passed down from generation to generation. Now the head of that Herodian dynasty, which was King Herod himself, Herod the Great, I mean, he was an evil man. So you, like we said back home, the apples don't fall from, or the fruit don't fall from the tree. And we too, like John the Baptist, are to be willing 
at times to be able to speak up for the truth and righteousness of God, even if it might end up costing both you and I our jobs, our husbands, our wives, our children, our money, property, whatever it is, or even our heads, like John the Baptist. You see, John was willing to put it all on the line to speak the truth. Not necessarily just to condemn and shame Antipas, but he also to allow him the ability to correct his wrongs by repenting and by turning away from his sins and by giving back Herodias to his brother, giving his brother's wife back to him. But they both refused. And instead, Antipas chose to keep his brother's wife and to continue living in an adulterous slash marriage or union while taking the life of God's faithful servant, John the Baptist, as well as forfeiting his soul and as well as the souls of Herodias and her daughter, Salome. Because he was the man he was supposed to lead. He was supposed to do the right thing. May God help us. And you know, may we not be like Antipas or Herodias or Salome. And if, or Salome, I guess in English you guys would say Salome, but in kind of Dutch we say Salome. God forbid if we have sinned or we've fallen short, it is extremely important that we turn back to our God and that we repent. You know, he will hear and forgive us. As long as, you know, we truly are remorseful and he will restore us in due season. But we must not continue to harden our hearts and continue walking in ways that are not of the Lord. And that's what Antipas chose to do, all for a woman. And we see that every day today. You can see that through history you can, you know, even today you can see that many men today are being ruined by the women that they have chosen. Like the Bible tells us, you know, a wayward woman, she's going to reduce you to a crust of bread. And quite frankly, if she reduces you to a crust of bread, then you're still lucky. There's instances where women have reduced men to <laughs> straight to the altar slaughter. Dead, gone, capiche, you finish. God forbid if you had time, you know, on your little deadbed to still say maybe a prayer and say, God, please forgive me, then, you know, at least praise God. You might enter in without rewards, but, you know, like I got a saying, better in heaven without rewards than to be down in hell getting those rewards. I mean, that's just my take. I don't think we should live like that as far as just sliding in. But honey, if you ain't got no choice, well, you know, if someone has just lived their life any kind of way or maybe they didn't know, you know, because a lot of things sometimes people don't know. Because, yeah, we got these sugar-coated churches that don't preach hard truths. They don't preach on these things. And for some reason, this seems to be a very strong message that God is speaking in this time. Because for some reason, this message keeps popping up. And I'm like, but I haven't been hearing this message in years. Well, I've, I've never really heard it prior to be truthful. And like I said, it wasn't something, nothing that I really stuck a pin into because yeah, I've never been married. But it's being preached 
a lot more by some of God's greatest soldiers that are out there putting it on the line. And you keep seeing this message, and I'm like, this keeps popping up. And I know people that have fallen victim to this. And it, it's, it's not a joke. It, it, it's, it is not a joke. I, I'm just going, it's not a joke. These, you know, first and second and third and fourth and fifth marriages, listen, be careful what you're doing. Be careful what you're doing. I know when you look at some of these high pastors that are out there where the world, you know, worships them and people know their names and because of their big platforms with their second, third, fourth, and fifth wives. So you think it's okay. I mean, I, I would have thought the same thing too. And uh, had I not um, listened to someone teaching on this, I would have never known. Because like I said, I ain't married anyway, so I wouldn't know. And I'd be sitting, you know, I, I wouldn't know. He and his fourth and his fifth married, like, huh? Gotta be careful. You have to be very, we, not just you, but we have to be careful. That includes me too. That includes me too. And this seems to be the message that is really going forth out there that a lot of evangelists are heavily speaking on. So I decided, you know, I need to do some research on this thing. And as I did the research, I'm like, hmm, this is a dangerous subject. Very dangerous subject. Very, very dangerous subject. So, yeah. So, um, that is the end of this mini-series, actually based on the character study of none other than Miss Herodias. And of course, India, we also had the Herod the Great, Aristobulus, which is which was her father. And yeah. So we have come to the conclusion of this episode as well as the conclusion of this series. And I hope and pray that you were able to get something out of this episode based on the life of Herodias. In other words, what we as children or women of God are not to do. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, please help us to not be cowardly and wicked like Herod Antipas. Instead, help us to be bold like John the Baptist even when it might end up costing us something. Most importantly, may we be more like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so up next is the quote of the episode. And this episode's quote is, What we don't deal with today, we will end up holding our heads for tomorrow. And that is by none other than yours truly. Once again, what we don't deal with today, we will end up holding our heads for tomorrow. And once again, that's by none other than yours truly. And really, if I have to really attribute it to someone, 
I would say the old heads back in the Caribbean. This is a quote. They, they would say this all the time. They would say, what you don't deal with today, tomorrow you're going to hold your head. So there you go. Once again, I'd like to thank each and every one of you who have joined me on this episode, as well as this mini-series. Thank you for joining me on another episode and another series on the Words of Encouragement podcast. I pray that this episode or this podcast, as well as this series, has been a blessing to you. And if this episode, this podcast, or this series has been a blessing to you, please feel free to share it with others. Remember that the gospel is free. It don't cost you anything to hit the share button. But yes, it does cost us in order to produce this podcast. But it is free to you as well as it's also free to share with others. Please feel free to subscribe to the Words of Encouragement podcast on iTunes.com, Spreaker.com, Podomatic.com. It can also be found on Google Podcasts, CastBox, Player FM, Podacy, Podtail, Deezer, Amazon, and everywhere that podcasts can be heard. You can also feel free to like, share, and subscribe on either one of the above-mentioned platforms. Also, please feel free to check out my other podcast, which is entitled The Nuggets of Thankfulness Podcast, which is a devotional audio podcast, which is also featured on Spreaker.com, iTunes.com, Google Play, Podcasts, um, CastBox, Spotify, Amazon.com, and everywhere that podcast can be heard. I look forward to being with you on another episode of the Words of Encouragement podcast. And also, just in case if you did not get a chance to listen to the first part of this series, I will also go ahead and leave a link in the description box where you can go ahead and listen to the first part of this mini-series entitled Herodias, Power and Adultery. Yes. So remember that as long as there is life, it is never too late to accept Christ. For anyone that might be listening, you've been contemplating of making that step. You might, you know, probably have not made the step yet. What are you waiting on? Go ahead and make that step. It's not too late to accept Christ. And, you know, maybe for someone who might have fallen away, it's not too late to come back. And for those of us that are trying our best to continue to walk in Christ, may we continue to grow stronger each day. And that when we do fall short, that we get up, dust ourselves off, repent, and and continue pursuing our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Con- you know, continue pursuing the kingdom of God. Continue pursuing God, his word, his son, his spirit. You know, just keep moving forward in the name of Jesus. Be blessed. So I will see you in the next episode. What do I have coming up for the next episode? Hmm, let me see. Lord Jesus, I got so much stuff. Let's see. Hold on real quick before I close off. Uh. Okay, so then I know what's coming next. Okay. Okay. I got another, um, another, well, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You got to come back to see what it is or to listen to what it is, but it's definitely going to be a good one. Um, I really like the direction that the podcast has taken. I know it's not a popular direction because yeah, it's not a feel good message or popular topics, et cetera, et cetera. But I truly am enjoying going to a whole different level where this podcast is concerned as far as going 
you know, deeper into the history of Christianity and how this faith was built. Um, and actually learning about some of the people who, who, were, who were on the front line, you know, the true warriors and, and um, martyrs and etc., who stood up for the faith. I think it's very important and it's needed, especially for a time like this where we have a church that is so watered down that they would prefer to apologize for something that the Bible clearly calls wrong. God calls an abomination, but you stand up and make an apology for the church. I'm like, which church are you speaking about exactly? And all I want to say, yeah, they don't speak for me. I'm sorry, but they don't. And they don't speak for God either. If you are a true believer and you do read your word, then you definitely know that this is observed. But yeah, so um, I have a I have another two episodes that are coming up. And yesterday, another one popped up. I'm like, they keep popping up. <laughs> um as well so hopefully I can get that out as well and I just hope and pray that there's something that someone can learn from something that was shared in this episode and whether it can strengthen your walk in Christ point you to Christ if you haven't received him yet that's the goal here basically so with that being said, um, I close off this episode and I will see you in the next episode. And Oh, real quickly before I close off. So I will be celebrating by the grace of God, my sixth year of God calling me to this podcast and to this assignment. And I definitely want to give him all on all glory and all praises and, you know, thank those who have, you know, stopped by and hopefully were able to get something from someone of the messages. Because that's all you could hope for. You never really know. And I just thank God for giving me the strength to continue going because it, it is not an easy road. It's easy to keep going when you get, you know, the, the big numbers, the big downloads. And there are times I do have them. But there are times when it's like, okay, it's really something to keep going when there's not encouragement or support, but you keep going. Cause yeah, I do it for God's kingdom. And I know one day God will reward me. If not here, it'll be up there. So I keep doing what I got to do by the grace of God. So anyway, on this note, I will be closing off this episode and I look forward to being with you on another episode of the words of encouragement podcast. So peace and be blessed. And also remember, be safe out there, please. Be safe.